Hello again, and welcome back to another episode of the Ostrich Technique Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ananth. And I am your other host, Chris. So yeah, Chris, how's it how's it going today? Um, you know, we're we're back again with another episode. This time we're doing uh Captain America. Uh, how are you, how are you feeling about this one? Um feeling good. Uh, I actually like this more um rewatching it than, you know, maybe I remembered it. Mm-hmm. So overall, I thought it was a good one. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, I look on this movie fondly overall. I mean, it's not like you know the greatest film ever, but like I think there's definite charm to it, and I think a lot of that has to do with the the smart move, honestly, they made it making this a period film, mm-hmm. um, making this set in the 1940s, very true to the original Captain America origin story, which I think I really appreciated. I don't know if you felt the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it worked well as a period piece. I think that's kind of part of the charm of it, which a lot of the the current day MCU films kind of lack, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I would agree. And I think, I mean, they tried to, I think, recapture that a little bit with Captain Marvel set yeah, in the exactly 90s. Say. <laughs> but uh, even that, but that felt a lot more like window dressing. Like there was like, oh man, yeah. she like pops up in a blockbuster. blockbuster. And oh man, yeah. like you see a younger... Fury, but like, there's not really too many more references to the '90s. I felt beyond that. I agree. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, this one, I, I guess, there's really no escaping it. I mean, they're literally in World War II. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I really enjoy this movie. But yeah, I mean, I guess we can, you know, just jump right into it. Um, I don't right. know if you want to give the the, the yeah. usual intro for our folks here at home. Sure. So, um, Captain America: The First Avenger. So Steve Rogers, a rejected military soldier, transforms into Captain America after taking a dose of a super soldier serum. But being Captain America comes at a price as he attempts to take down a warmonger and a terrorist organization. So this movie is directed by Joe Johnston, and it has quite the stacked cast if you're looking at it now. But it's um, starring Chris Evans as Captain America, Haley Atwell, Sebastian Stan, Tommy Lee Jones, and Hugo Weaving. Solid, solid. Cool. Okay. Um, so I guess we can just jump right in. I mean, I, I, I guess we sort of went through our overall thoughts already. But I guess before we jump into Act 1, is there anything else you wanted to discuss? No, let's uh, head into Act 1. All right, cool. So act one, um, you know, we start right away in, uh, we, we kind of don't know where it is actually. I mean, we start off sort of in the snow, um, in the dead of winter, it seems like, or where it's obviously very snowy and, uh, you see a bunch of people coming in and obviously we realize it's, you know, modern day and they find this like big structure. And of course how they start off is they find, something frozen in the ice and then that ends up being cap shield which really sets us up for going back into the past and i was wondering what did you think of the opening there chris like i liked the opening i thought it was mysterious um it was you know it kind of laid the groundwork of you know where we'll see at the end of the film how he gets there um Mm -hmm. but it was just a nice tease in my opinion Um, yeah no definitely yeah yeah, I'd agree. I think it's a it's a nice short opening. It doesn't really overstay its welcome, and it's like really uh, it gets to the point there, um, in terms of like you know there there's some mystery there, and I I really like the whole t- 
tone that it sets like oh this is like something that they've discovered or they're rediscovering or something like that and yeah i i i agree i think i really like this opening too i will say though i i know that you and i've seen this deleted scene from the incredible hulk where bruce banner is originally doing meditation out in roughly the same area and when he dives into the water we do see the frozen body of cap i i it's not necessarily meditation, more like he's trying to take his own life, but... Uh, okay, okay, yeah, well, you know... <laughs> he's a okay. gun in his hand, and then uh, the Hulk transforms and prevents him from doing that. But yeah, anyway... Yes, yes, okay, that that's a fair point. I, I guess I don't remember that scene as well as you do, but I guess, how do you think that stacks up, I guess, with the opening that we have? Do, do you prefer that one? Do you prefer the one that we have now? I, I guess that's not an opening. I guess the tease... In Incredible Hulk, do you like that we sort of just start out of the blue without really, with very few teases to Captain America? Of course, we got like a little bit of the shield in Iron Man too, but yeah, I, I, I liked it. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, I, I feel like it would have been fine if they put that tease in Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Um. So then, at least you have some sort of, you know, connection between the two. But uh, in terms of consistency or continuity, it doesn't make sense just given how it was uh incredible Mm -hmm. hulk versus here he's literally you know inside um you know the the plane but um you know i'm I'm fine either way with it what about you yeah i mean i i think i think i'm pretty much agreed with you there i think that there's some merit in like you know having a little bit of that interconnectivity from film to film but I don't necessarily dislike the way that they start the opening here, and I feel like we get enough information already from it. Um, I, I, I was probably more just like a, oh, you know, a little Easter egg for the fans that Cap is out there and Incredible Hulk. But, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't mind this opening either. It, you know, I wouldn't mind it if we had it. I wouldn't mind it if we don't. You know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. kind of indifferent, I guess. Yeah, makes sense. But, um, yeah, and of course, I think from there, then we, you know, flashback uh, back to Tonesburg. Of course, we've now seen Tonesburg... Before, in the first Thor movie, that's where Odin fought the Frost Giants for the first time. And now we're here and we see an imposing figure come in and basically tear down this church trying to look for something who, of course, we know later on to be Johann Schmidt. And he comes in looking for the Tesseract. And uh, we get a little bit of teases here and there of, you know, Norse mythology and how it ties into that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what did you think of the way that all of that stuff ties in, Chris? Like, the sort of Norse mythology and how this movie, you know, comes right after Thor, basically. Yeah, I think it was a really smart way to tie in the movies. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, Thor being this sort of space movie, space opera, whatever you have it, it's very, you know, it doesn't really connect well to more of these grounded sort of stories. So it was a really cool way to really connect them. I thought it was pretty organic too yeah um so i i think it was a great way to to say you know hey we have this sort of fanatical person who believes in this mythology um and you know you you buy it because he he is kind of crazy um johann schmidt so yeah no definitely i i think that that's really it was i i think the way you said it was good i think it's really organic the way that they sort of lead in from Thor into this. And I think it helps that Thor came right before this too. I mean, they both, I think came out in 2010, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I think that that or, really else. 20. Or did 11. Thor come out in 09? No, oh no, no, no. 11. 11. They both came out in 11. They're both 11. 
They both they both came out in eleven, right? Iron Man two came out in twenty ten. That's right. Yep. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, regardless, they both came out the same year, and I think part of that, you know, helps sort of connect one to the other, mm-hmm. and you really start seeing more of those connections, and that was sort of the way to th- tie in Thor there. I, I will say also, I really like the sort of cinematography here. I mean, there, this is like, I mean, you know, I think this is a common complaint with the Marvel movies in general. The cinematography isn't like, you know, stellar, I think, until we get to like Sarah a couple Hulls. of like movies here to like Guardians of the Galaxy, where they really embrace like color and not just sort of the the boring grays and dull tones. But I think it sort of works here where there's like sort of the earthy tones, like they're trying to show something old Norway and then they sort of cut it with like the harsh bright light of the Tesseract when Schmidt is looking at it initially. It's very, uh, very Pulp Fiction-y. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like with the briefcase and stuff. Yeah. 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 It it, it honestly even has like little uh, bits of, uh, you know, some other movies. Like I'm trying to think of like even, uh, like Indiana Jones almost, like uh, mm. Raiders of the Lost Ark, where yeah. they open the Ark of the Covenant and you see like all of like the, the beams and all like the, the light mm. coming off of it and stuff. I, I don't know. I, I really like the the little bit of cinematography we got there. But I, I I mean, I guess it's just a bit here in the overall sort of picture, which is kind of, I don't know. Cinematography is kind of, I guess, samey here. It's nothing to write home about, I would say. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you had any different thoughts on that. Nope. On that. No. Nope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, and, and I, I think as an introduction to Schmidt and the Red Skull, I thought that was honestly kind of a nice, subtle way. We never get his name, of course, when he's in well, that whole Norway scene. But when oh, he yeah, kills yeah, the yeah, man, yeah. you get the little blood on the Hydra pin. And it, yep. like it's a nice little nod that he's the Red Skull there. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, like you can even you know, looking back and just you know rewatching this uh you can see when when Schmidt turns, you see the side of his face, like beneath his like on his jawline, you know, beneath his earlobe. You can see it looks like mm. it's kind of stitched together. Um, yeah. So you know, obviously, we find out later it's you know a mask to hide his red skull. But yeah, of little course. things like that, you know, are great when you rewatch and you pick out those little details. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, you you know, you stole a point of mine that I had later on where you could see that thing a bit more clearly. But yeah, no, definitely. It's really cool that they have those little bits there from the makeup. Like, they didn't have to do that. And I think that it's, uh, you know, just good attention to detail there. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, after the whole Norway sequence, you sort of jump to New York, where we see Steve, we finally meet Steve Rogers looking to enlist. And we get that whole sequence of him, you know, being really patriotic, trying to sign up and getting rejected and then getting beat up by the man uh, who was sort of disruptive at the movie theater and gets saved by his friend Bucky. And, you know, what do you think of that as like an intro to Steve overall? Like, how how do you feel that that works for you? Uh, I think it work. I think it shows right away what his character is, you know? Yeah. Um. You're putting willing to put his life on the line um, for others. You know him you know, trying to enlist in the army under you know fake name uh, because he's been rejected so many other times, and then um, you know just trying to be respectful and then willing to get you know bullied essentially because you know he doesn't like bullies. Um, yeah. I think it's very core to his character. And I think it was a good way to introduce him. Um, yeah, what did you think? Yeah, no, I thought it was a really good introduction. I think, like I said, or like you said, basically, he it, it's a really good setup to who he is. I mean, very patriotic, obviously, a sense of duty, a sense of purpose, and 
he's not really afraid to stand up to bullies like this guy who's just being disruptive in the theater and is like willing to beat him up. Of course, we get the little tease of his line, I can do this all day, which pops up a couple of other times throughout the movies, which is, uh, it's interesting that the director sort of picked up on that as, you know, Cap's character Mm -hmm. went along. But uh, yeah, and I mean, it's also a good introduction to his relationship with Bucky a little bit, you know, because they, uh, Bucky, I mean, it sort of almost has like a a comic book style, like Peter Parker, Harry Osborn, where Harry's always looking out for Peter, um, Mm -hmm. especially against like Flash and stuff. And, you know, similar to this, it seems like Bucky's always the one that's sort of looking out for Steve. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it was an interesting uh, sort of change or turn from the comics, um, given that Bucky was the kind of, you know, the kid, the smaller person, just, you know, cap sidekick. Yeah. Whereas at least during the introduction, it's, you know, the other way around. Um, so it was, it was a good sort of twist on, you know, the classic comics, which I didn't mind at all. I think it made a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, I mean, in, in the comics, I guess, it, it was Steve, like, meant to be, like, scrawnier than... Bucky or was Bucky always like sort of a similar sort of stature to the original Steve? No, uh, at least from what I've known is that uh, he was very much sort of like a Robin to uh, to uh, Steve's, you know, sort of Batman, if you will. Like he was Mm -hmm. legitimately like kind of like a kid. Um, Gotcha. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they, I guess they did adapt it, but I, I think I agree with you. It makes a lot more sense in the context of, this film for sure. Mm-hmm. And I like the way that they set that up. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's a good, you know, introduction to them. And then they, you know, move on to the World's Fair where they are, you know, they get a, we get a little glimpse of Howard Stark. And I think I really like the sort of glimpse of this character that we got there where you can see very much that he's that uh, the guy, I forget the name of the actor who plays him. Um, Dominic wh- Cooper. Dominic Cooper. Yeah, you can definitely see he took notes from uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s performance. You could definitely tell he's trying to play mm-hmm. that same vein of like, you know, playboy, a little bit of a chauvinist uh, dude. I mean, you know, where I guess Tony gets all of that sort of swagger from. Um, and yeah, and then of course, that's where and while they're watching the whole thing go on and is where Steve sort of pe- peels away and tries to go recruit again. And join yeah. uh, the army, and that's where he has that whole argument with Bucky, and then Doctor Erskine listens or overhears that whole argument, and uh, you know inspires him a little bit. But I mean, I guess here you get a little bit more of that motivation of Steve, right? I mean, is there anything else that stuck out to you from I guess the whole world's fair bit? No, I, I think again, like you said, plays to Steve's character. Um, you know, introduction to Howard Stark, like you mentioned. The introduction to, I guess, the predecessor to the repulsor technology, yeah, is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess things don't really get started until, um, you know, that that meeting between Erskine and uh, Steve. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, even then, like Erskine and Steve, like Erskine has the conversation, like, "Oh, you want to go kill some Nazis?" Like he's trying to. It's all a test. And I mean, it, it's interesting that Steve even then is like, you know, I don't want to kill anyone. Like I, I just don't like bullies. And I think it's all very consistent with the character. And I mean, I would say that the script in this movie isn't particularly great through and through. Especially in the end, I feel like it gets a little bit weaker. But I feel like these sort of moments again, where Steve is, you know, interacting with 
Erskine or where he's interacting with Peggy. Like, I think that those moments really work well. And even if the script isn't like the most, you know, mind bending, like it's not like Aaron Sorkin level dialogue, but uh, you, you definitely get, you get enough of the character there, I think from the dialogue that they're trying to put across. And I think that that works mm-hmm. really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and then of course, uh, once he's enlisted, that's where we get the whole Camp Lehigh sequence. And I, I think the Lehigh sequence, again, sort of emphasizes the points that, you know, Steve isn't really the ideal soldier in terms of physicality, but he has all of the other personalities that Erskine's looking for in terms of, like, he's a little bit more cunning, like with the whole flag sequence where he's trying to, everyone else is trying to get the flag and he outsmarts everyone. And then the whole bit about guts where Colonel Phillips throws the fake grenade and then Steve jumps over it and tries to protect everyone. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you get, I think, a really good sense of Steve's character. I mean, was there anything else you picked up on from the whole Lehigh sequence? No, not really. I mean, even then you can see he is being bullied. Um, oh, yeah. Even though get... they're, you know, they're in the same unit um, for the army. You know, there's still people bullying him, even though they're supposed to be essentially, you know, brothers in arms. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah. Good old um, Hodges. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously there's the introduction to Peggy, and then you can still see sort of, not not see, sort of, you can very much see the uh, the misogyny um, towards Peggy being just a woman, especially even though she's such higher ranking within the, yeah. uh, or I guess she's not, I don't know if she's higher ranking, but she's, you know, clearly in a very high up position um, within the, uh, what was it, the SSR, is that what it's called? Yeah, SSR, Strategic Scientific um, Reserve, yeah. Yeah, and even then she's still, you know, getting mis- uh, misogynistic comments about her. Um, oh, for sure, yeah. holds this power over them. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, again, Hodges, Hodges really, really setting the standard here for 1940s men, I guess. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, it's, I mean, it's a good point, though, that you bring up that this is our introduction to Peggy's character. And, you know, I mean, we, she pops up a lot through the MCU, but, uh, you know, Haley Atwell, I think, just did such a good job portraying her and, you know, really set a good foundation for her character as we went on through the rest of the MCU. Because she pops up like a handful of times again. Like, I mean, she pops up obviously in Endgame and she pops up in Ant-Man and she pops, I mean, she pops up, she had her own show, I don't know, but that that's sort of a gray area. I don't know if we classify that as MCU or not, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, regardless, she, she did a really good job sort of setting up that character and you really get the sense that she really doesn't, you know, take any sort of crap from anyone. Like she's clearly taken enough crap in her life. And I think that part of that is she's clearly a very sort of self-assured and confident individual. And that's why she stands up to someone like Hodges and literally punches him in the face. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, of course, then the whole... The whole bit, I, I mean, the whole act one basically ends with the serum infusion, basically. It's the serum infusion and then the chase where, um, you know, Steve gets infused with the serum and then is bombarded with lighter Vita rays and then Erskine is killed where the Hydra agent steals the serum and tries to escape and Steve actually tries to, you know, stop him and... You know, a couple of things from this whole sequence was one, we get a little more glimpse of 1940s New York, 
in Brooklyn in particular, because that's where they seem to have their secret base. And again, I really like the whole setting of the 1940s. Again, I really like that they kept this a whole period piece. Um, the other thing that I noticed was, and I, I, I guess I was reflecting on this a bit more, was especially after Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we obviously saw that the serum gets remade, but none of them were like particularly like jacked or buff. And I didn't totally, I guess, internalize why. And I realize now from this movie, it's because of the Vita rays. Like Steve got yep. the serum and it was the Vita rays that made him, I guess, all beefy and, you know, yep. jacked. And of course, once he comes out of the, you know, I guess the, the uh, what, what would you call it? Like the, the pod thing. Yeah. I have to say probably one of the best shirtless, like MCU moments, I have to say. Like that, very iconic right now. Oh yeah, I mean it was a real thir- it's definitely a thirst trap, but it was a real good sequence, I would say. And yeah. um I mean yeah. I mean, what was it? Uh Haley Atwell, like when she touched Chris Evans' chest, like that was just not scripted apparently or something. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. She was just like genuinely like surprised and just, you know, in awe. I mean, aren't we all in awe of, yes. of Chris Evans? But yeah, I mean that was man, he 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 really I mean, he 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 really does capture the physique of i mean regardless of what you think of the acting performance or of captain america like he really gets the you know physicality of captain america completely down um and you know credit to him and his trainers to you know get him to that ability but uh yeah and i think the last bit i think from the sequence which really stood out to me was even while he's chasing the secret agent like i like those little moments where he's like not used to his own body and he's like sort of yeah. yeah, like he, you can tell, like he crashes into the 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 dress Windows. store, yeah. and like he's like looking at himself, like, oh man, I can run fast, I can do all these things. Like it was honestly, it, I I like those little bits of you know character that popped up there. But I, I've I've talked quite a bit on this whole you know serum infusion and the chase sequence. What did you think about the no the I, whole I, sequence? I totally agree. Like I I was literally going to bring up the whole him being sort of off balance and trying to get used to his new physique. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we do get sort of a nod to him having a shield with the star in it with the, you know, the taxi cab door with the star in it coming off and him using that as a shield against, yeah. um, you know, the Hydra agent, uh, mm-hmm. Heinz Kruger, I think his name was. Was um, it? Yeah. Okay. So we, we get that nod or foreshadowing, you know, obviously in the way beginning, uh, when Steve is being bullied or beat up in the alley, we have, you know, Steve holding a, a circular garbage can top as like yeah. a shield. Yeah. So we're getting, I love this sort of progressive foreshadowing. Um, yeah, for sure. That we're getting. And then um, really the only, a complaint I do have is that, uh, well, first of all, it, Bravo, I think they did a very good job putting the CGI Chris Evans head on just, you know, the thin actor's body. I think that was done yes. pretty well. Mm. Um, but, my complaint here is that I feel like his, Chris Evans' voice just doesn't belong with that body. Like I feel like they should have, mm. you know, made his voice maybe like an octave or two higher. Just because, yeah. as you do get sort of, I guess, bigger, your, you know, your at least for guys, you know, the the voice tends to drop a little bit more. So yeah. I would have liked to see that, you know, and just have him come out of that pod now fully formed as captain america with you know chris evans normal voice but you know it's a yeah. thing 
You know, it's interesting. I, I I didn't bring up the whole CG that they had for, you know, scrawny Captain America. But I will I agree with you. The the CG for that was completely seamless. Like you couldn't tell at all that there was, you know, his face was sort of glued on to someone else's. So they did a really, really good job there. And it's interesting on the voice bit because I was thinking about that a little bit. And I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I think overall, like it could have probably been a little bit higher, but... I I don't know. It still didn't take me out of it. Like, I, I guess it is a minor complaint even from your end, right? Like, it's not yeah. something that, like, completely breaks the character. But I, I think I agree with you that if, if I were given an option, I would have probably preferred a higher voice for Steve mm-hmm. overall. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think anything else, you, you any other thoughts on this, I guess, whole sequence here? No. No, nothing to no? add. Yeah, I mean, it was – it's a good, I think, setup overall. Like, it's um, – Again, nothing revolutionary, but it's a very it's a good setup. You know, you get all of the moving pieces, you get Cap being becoming Cap, you get all of the major players set up here overall. And um Yeah. And I, I one other thing that I didn't mention was we do get uh we do get Schmidt coming to Germany also in the first sequence, and actually we meet Arnim Zola as well. And every time that we actually interact with a Tesseract, even in like for most of the movie, there's only really one scene where we see you can't it. Can't really see it exactly. That just, a, that, just that was light. Yeah. Yes, that was the point that I was going to make. Is that it's like so bright that you can't even see it, and it's like still shrouded in mystery, which I kind of like that you know stylistic choice, honestly. Mm-hmm. Although it just. Then that continuity just does not carry through any of the other films. But yes, well, yes, I will. Yes, that's true. But they do set that up at the end of the movie. Is what I was going to say. Is there like once you know Cap knocks Zol uh, or Cap knocks uh, Red Skull onto the thing, and this is obviously we're jumping a bit here. When it knocks out of like the holster that it's in, is when it's not bright anymore, and I guess the mystery of it is sort of gone, and you actually see the mm-hmm. you know tesseract not so bright that you can actually see what it looks like. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess any other final points? Sorry, I brought up the, I guess, another point there, but. Yeah, no, no, I, I got nothing else to add. Cool. Okay. So, you know, I guess before we jump into act two, uh, you know, you know, we usually break this up with either a Stan Lee cameo a ranking or a trivia. Of course, Stan Lee has not cameoed yet in the movie. So we are going to move on to trivia, kind of like how we did with Thor last episode so of course chris last time you asked me the questions so you know we're jumping back where i will be asking you the questions this time and hopefully you've not cheated again but i have five questions prepped for you are you ready i never cheat what do you mean of course no we're both men of principle here we don't cheat we don't we don't you know look at imdb beforehand but yeah um no i trust you completely i don't think that you would have cheated but um anyway let's jump right into it so question one for you why did Stanley Tucci take the role of Dr. Erskine? And I know this is a bit, you know, oh, it's very open. broad, yeah. Yeah, very broad question. So I've made this multiple choice to make it, oh, you know, narrow. Okay, good. Yeah. So option A, Joe Johnston is a friend of Stanley Tucci and convinced him to join. Choice B, Stanley Tucci is a big fan of the Captain America comics and lobbied to join the MCU in any role he could get. Choice C, Stanley Tucci always wanted to learn a German accent, and this gave him that opportunity. And choice D, Stanley Tucci was signed on initially to Thor, but had a schedule conflict came up, so he was instead cast in Cap 1. 
Mm. Uh, I've heard C before, but that might have been for Hugo Weaving. Uh, I feel like he's not, he wasn't supposed to be in Thor. That's my guess. I'm going to rule out D. Okay. Um, uh, A was, he was a friend of the director. Yeah, he was a friend of Joe Johnston and Joe Johnston convinced him to join. Okay, and then B was that um he like who's a fan of the comics and He was a fan to... of Captain America comics, yeah, and asked to join. Uh let's go with A. A? Well, your initial instinct was correct that it was actually he wanted to learn a German accent. Dang. Yeah. I I was surprised by this. I mean, you know, I guess Stanley Tucci being Italian and all, but I guess it was yeah. interesting he wanted to learn a German accent. Uh, maybe I got him and Hugo weaving confused then. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they both do German accents, but uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I tried, I tried to make them not so e- like not such a giveaway because otherwise. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, question two now. So there were going to be two cameos in Cap One, which ended up not working out. Uh, I want you to name one of those two cameos. What do you mean by they ended up not working out? Like they they filmed it, but it never made the movie. Or? No, they didn't film any cap. They didn't film these cameos, but these were cameos that were discussed and thought about internally before the movie was made. Uh Wolverine. That is correct. Yeah, Wolverine. So it was going to be that, yeah. James or whatever, right? James Howlett was going to be a soldier. And do you want to take a guess at the other one? You won't get any extra points, but. Uh, I mean, I feel like a Wolverine Sabretooth thing would kind of make sense given, you know, X-Men Origins. Mm. But um, I'm not going to go with Sabretooth. Okay. Uh, hmm. I feel like it's probably some sort of other MCU character that we have now. Okay. But, uh. There's got to, I don't know, I don't know, like a Black Panther, maybe? No, no, it's not Black Panther. So it was, it's Logan, and in the same vein, it was Eric Lenscher, it was Magneto. Oh, oh, that would have made sense. That yeah, made so sense. so Logan was going to be a soldier, and then Eric Lenscher, I, I guess they would have had a scene at some sort of internment camp, and he was going to be a prisoner yeah, there. But to, of course, yeah. it was because of Fox having the yeah. rights, they couldn't do it. Which is why it didn't work out. I didn't want to give you know too much away yeah. there, but you got one of them, so you get the point for that question. Um, so, question three: Joe Johnston is an ILM veteran and has worked on numerous films in his long career. One notable film from his past is referenced a couple of times indirectly in Cap One, and I want you to name this movie. I don't even know what other movies he directed. <laughs> no, not necessarily directed. These are other movies that he's worked on. Okay. For ILM? Oh. Yeah. He's an old school ILM vet, if that helps at all. Like, he, he's, he's been there, like, he's an old, uh, old-time vet from ILM. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like when I think of ILM, I think of Star Wars, but I don't know if he was involved in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um... I don't, I don't, mm, I'm going to guess some Indiana Jones movie. Well, I don't know get, which one, but. Well, guess which one, Indiana Jones. Take, take a guess as to which one. Uh, Raiders. 
Raiders, that, wow, that's a good guess. Uh, I tried to seed that a little bit earlier because that is correct. It was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, Yeah, so Red Skull, um, so there's a couple of references. So the Red Skull getting consumed at the hands of the Tesseract at the end is similar to the Ark of the Covenant, how it killed all the Nazis and, you know, melted them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another one. So Cap throws Hydra, the Hydra bad guy into the propeller at the yeah. end as well. That's kind of uh, how like the big muscly dude gets, you know, hit by the propeller when they're fighting in Morocco. And then um, when after he holds the cosmic cube, uh, Johann Schmidt or, or makes a comment about how Adolf Hitler searches for trinkets in the desert, which is probably another clear reference to him looking for the the Ark in uh the desert mm, got it yeah i i thought it was i thought those were little cool teases and i guess yeah. to your question earlier about what joe johnson directed probably the most well-known thing that he directed besides cap one is the original jumanji with uh, robin williams mm. but uh and yeah he also directed Kristen jurassic Dunst. park three which is oh, not that oh great oh geez okay <laughs> but yeah jumanji is probably his best film i would say from his directorial um you know backlog all right next question so you have two points right now that's pretty good um this one's probably gimme so i think you might get this one so when red skull picks up the tesseract at the end of the movie and he isn't killed he is instead transported to where is he transported well i mean now we know but i mean yes (laughs) at the time of the movie we just didn't know but yeah you get transported to uh vormir yes that is correct of course yeah i I mean we obviously didn't know this at the time of the film but yes he was transported to vormir that is correct um and then the last question so among the mcu movies captain america the first avenger is one of only two movies along with avengers endgame to have one thing in common name this one commonality what um yeah, I feel like I, I I hope to stump you on this one. I can't I give mean, you all the easy ones. Like, I would say there's no post credit because this post credit is literally just a trailer for yeah. for uh, Avengers one. So I'm going to say there's no post credit. Well, that is correct. There Good job go. there. Wow. Yeah, I thought I'd stump you with some of these, but yeah, no, this one was right. Yeah, so I said that there's no separately filmed post credit scene at the end of the movie because Cap 1 has a teaser for the Avengers, but it's not really a post credit scene, and of course Avengers Endgame doesn't either. Mm-hmm. But uh, very good guesses there. This was a, a solid one for you. You got four out of the five right. Woo! That's, a, that's, a, that's a good one. That's very, very Back good. Back the game. Oh, yeah. I mean, you might be winning, I think, now with the four. That's, that's a pretty big one. Score to beat. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, um, I, I mean, let's let's see with Avengers. I don't know if we'll have time to do one for ourselves, but I, I guess we can tease this. But we we are likely having a guest on for our Avengers episode, so you and I might not be doing the trivia questions on that one. Yeah. But yeah, uh, we'll figure that out. Yeah, we'll figure that out when we get to it. But uh, I guess a tease for our listeners there. We have uh, potentially a guest coming on. But uh, yeah, so good job there, Chris. You got uh, you did a really good job on that trivia. I was hoping I'd stump you on a couple Man, of them. If I if I followed my gut with this the Tucci one, I would have gotten I would have just gotten them all. Yeah, you would have you would have gotten them all. But uh, man. I kind of wish you didn't listen to your gut for all of them, so I could have gotten <laughs> some more points on you. But you know, you did well there. I can't can't knock you on that. Yes, thank you. 
All right. Uh, but yeah, I guess we can jump into Act 2 now. So Act 2 starts off with the scene of the Nazis coming to visit Schmidt at his lab. And I, I like this whole scene because it like really shows that, you know, the whole goals of Hydra have really grown beyond what the Nazis initially, I guess, mm-hmm. were looking at. And obviously the whole scene ends with Schmidt really killing those Nazis and uh, severing. And it, I think it sort of symbolized, you know, Hydra sort of grown beyond it and they've severed their connections with the Nazis almost in a way. Um, it, it, you know, they're not necessarily working for the goals of Hitler, but they're working for the goals of Schmidt, I guess, mm-hmm. even though the goals are probably similar of like world domination or whatever. Yep. But yeah. And another, I guess an interesting thing, I don't know if you picked up on this also, but the sound effect that they use for all of like the it's Tesseract like the weapons. Yes. Yeah. It's the sound of the repulsor beams. And I think they've probably pitched it a little bit, depending on whether it's like from a pistol or like the giant guns. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, very clearly you could tell that it was like the repulsor sound effect, which I thought was interesting. Um, yeah. And then I, I think uh, obviously after that, we jump back to the US and you can see that everyone is sort of still reeling from Erskine's death. Uh, Cap gets a lot of his blood drawn out, which ends up being a plot theme in the first season of Agent Carter, apparently, where they're dealing with blood. I don't know if you remember that, Chris. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah, that was a whole thing. Um, man, I, I should, I, I don't know. I'm curious to rewatch that show at some point because that's, uh, I feel like that's almost a fever dream. There's like the era of like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, he's getting his blood drawn. And then of course, you know, Cap wants to help in any way he can, but Colonel Phillips sort of rebuffs him and he's like, you know, I wanted an army and I got you or uh, I got you. So I'm sort of done with you. going to send you off to a lab for tests. And of course, Cap doesn't want to do that. And he sort of gets wooed by Senator Brandt to go around on this uh, little tour of his. Mm-hmm. And I got to say for, even though, I mean, I, I guess the tour is what it is like a small little sequence, but the song that they have, the, 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 that whole Captain America song is honestly kind of a banger. I don't know what you thought about <laughs> yeah. that song. Yes. Yeah. yeah it, it's, catchy. it's catchy. It is definitely catchy. Yeah, no, they did a good job of that whole thing. And and I guess speaking to your point earlier about the whole like shield sort of foreshadowing bit, even in New York, they have a nice little foreshadow where he's holding up the when he's holding up the I guess they're in like, you know, Radio City or something like the whole sort of circular motif that they have looks like his mm-hmm. shield. Basically, I don't know mm-hmm. if you caught that. So, yeah, I guess a little foreshadowing there. And, uh, you know, I get the, the act really picks up when he goes to. The front lines where I think it's like Italy or something he, they said he yeah, was at. Yeah, bring out the girls. Bring out the girls. Yeah, exactly. And they start throwing tomatoes at him. Yeah. I'm tomatoes. losing money on this deal. Uh, one, like, one, one thing I do want to, want to say before we transition. Yeah. Um, they – well, one, they give us like I guess more of the sort of more classic cap costume. Yes. His outfit for the theater. But then two, you know uh, – you know, back on his United States tour, um, you see like all these kids buying the Captain America comic books, which mm-hmm. um believe is like the cover of the first issue of, you know, Captain America. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, Captain America comics are canon in uh the MCU. Yeah. Pretty pretty meta. But anyway, sorry to digress, but yeah, just wanted to point that out. No, no, cool. no. I mean, that's, you know, that it's just a conversation. So yeah, no, I, I'm glad you brought those up because I, I completely forgot to bring those up myself. But yeah, no, the first comic did show up. 
Um, the the first suit was there, of course. Like the and I don't know. I guess they kind of used it to show how goofy the original suit. One hundred percent. Yeah, the original suit does look a little. I, I guess it works in the context of the comics, of course. But uh, I guess a, a guy in spandex doesn't look that good. And I I think the the suit that we end up getting in the movie looks really really good. Yeah. Um, obviously comes a little bit later on, but uh, I guess do you have any thoughts on that suit overall? Because I I really like it. I like that it looks so tactical and like worn in, and it looks of the era, honestly. I do. I, I like the final suit of this movie with the little um, patches of gray in it as well. Mm. Um, I do like his suit when he goes, and I guess this will segue us back, um, when he goes to rescue uh, Bucky's battalion. Yes. Um, you know, he takes a helmet that has an A on it from one of the dancers uh, for that tour. You know, he has the goggles on it. Um, and he has like, I guess a brown sort of trench coat. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I really like that, that look too. Um, oh, yes, yeah. I do, I do like his, his final, um, suit in this movie. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I like all of the, I mean, I really like the, both of those suits. Yeah. The, the leather jacket with the cargo pants and then the, mm-hmm. the spandex, I guess, body suit look really good. And then of course the final suit, which is much more tactical and, and purpose built looks also really, really good. Mm-hmm. But, uh. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can jump right into that whole sequence where he frees Bucky and infiltrates the Hydra camp. And uh, yeah, I mean, of course, he, the, this is, I guess, fighting back against that whole fear, the whole thing that uh, Colonel Phillips says, like, oh, you want to be a little show monkey? Like, you're not really doing anything here. Like you were, and of course, Peggy is the one that sort of urges him on saying, you know, you were made for a lot more than this. And of course, he knows that. And this, And hearing about Bucky sort of spurs him into action here. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, do you have any thoughts on the whole Hydra camp? I feel like I always start these off, but I guess you can start off with your thoughts on the Hydra camp sequence. Um, I don't know. I I don't have too many thoughts on it. I felt like it just kind of felt like your typical prisoner camp. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't personally think there was too much... I mean, there wasn't really that much. I was like, oh, like, yeah, this is something different. I mean, you can see they're, how they're mass producing weapons and, and mm. I guess building is, is his, his Red Skull's uh, plane called the Valkyrie. Um, anyway, is you it? can see how they're mass producing that um, his, his plane and, um, you know, they're just using essentially POWs as, as you know, workers. But yeah, it's kind yeah. of not out of the ordinary. I would yeah, say. definitely for the era that that definitely is on brand in terms of what I guess you know people were doing during the war, like just using their prisoners as laborers. But yeah, I mean, I think that, I I think I would agree with you, and I think that that's sort of a critique of the whole movie overall is that a lot of these sequences feel sort of run of the mill. There's nothing to I, I guess stand out about them overall. Um, the whole, you know, sequence at the prison, like you would think that that'd be sort or I guess the whole, the Hydra base would be something a little bit more to write home about. And it's sort of generic overall. It just sort of like is there to sort of get to the point of getting out Bucky and saving the 107th and I guess the Howling Commandos there as well. Um, of course, I guess the most notable thing here is... One is, of course, Bucky was in Zola's lab getting something done to him. We don't know what, uh, which I guess sort of leads into what happens to him at the end of the movie and then uh, him becoming Winter Soldier later on, which, you know, spoiler warning, of course. 
And of course, the other big thing is that they encounter the that Cap encounters the Red Skull for the first time. Which I gotta say, the reveal for the Red Skull and then the actual makeup for the Red Skull, how they you know conceived mm-hmm. it on the screen, looks really, really good. I mean, he looks like the comics almost exactly the the skull and whatnot. Yes, I I think they did a great job. Um, you know, I mean, one downside is that is probably the main reason why Hugo Weaving did not return. Yeah. Um, but it was look, the prosthetics look phenomenal. I'd rather them have done it that way, very practical, than just do some sort of CGI BS on it. You know. Of course, of course. No, I mean, of course, they had some CGI on there. They they had to CGI the nose out, like they couldn't yeah. you know, chop off his nose, but. Um, I mean, regardless, they, yeah, I agree. They, he looked really good. And this, the, yeah, the prosthetics were really, really good, um, overall. And it, it was a good sort of, you know, encounter, but no, again, nothing to write home about, I would say. And I think that the, the interactions between Cap and, and Red Skull were sort of where the script really falls short, in my opinion, here. And then even at the end of the movie where they're sort of fighting, it, it's not particularly great, I would say. Um, I don't know if you had thoughts on the script, I guess, overall. Um, I didn't, I honestly, it didn't stick out to me where it was like jarringly bad, but yeah, I do, yeah. I do wish we had gotten more Red Skull re- of, you know, him build out his character a little bit more rather than, oh, he's this sort of crazy guy who wants to dominate the world, like a, you know, typical villain complex. Definitely. I'm, you know. We yeah. didn't read the comics to the point where like, okay, this is kind of how his character is or, or know how his character is, but I get the sense that he was a much, you know, more dynamic sort of character in the comics than just this one note, oh, it's I wanna dominate the world sort of deal. Like Yeah. Um, I'm sure there was yeah. there was more subtleties and um to his character than than just that. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I mean I think that this is, you know, part of the common complaint of early MCU, like the villains just not being as fully fleshed out and developed as you would like them to be. Except Loki, um, yeah. Yeah, except Loki, exactly. And and probably even Ironmonger a little bit. I would say this is, um, you know, it, it goes more into like phase two, where phase two, some of the villains also weren't particularly great as we were getting some of the new heroes, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, like with Aldrich Killian and the, and Malekith and, and uh Ronan the Accuser and that sort of stuff but it, it you sort of see bits and pieces of that in phase one as well mm-hmm. but uh yeah I I think that that's a definitely a fair complaint I I would like to learn more about him and I, I mean you know this is a two-hour movie it's not like a particularly short movie per se but I feel like we could have gotten more development also of the the Bucky Cap relationship especially after Cap well, I mean, became yeah, yeah. Cap yeah, I mean, we, obviously, later down the road, we we do in future movies. Of course. I, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, we do get, you know, their characters interact more in later movies. But I do feel like we could have gotten a little bit more. And, and you know, we got little glimpses of that in this movie, too. Like, when he saves him, he's like, oh, you know, is this permanent? And he's like, so far. Like, I, I like those little interactions that they had. And I kind of wish that they had more of them, which is why I'm, you know, sort of lobbying for it, even though I guess it's too late for that. But... Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought you were smaller. I joined the <laughs> what happened? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, and I, I th- that's what I'm saying. I think like those moments, like those sort of personal interactions that Cap has with with his friends and you know, like Agent yeah. Carter, for example, like that's where the script I think works really well. Like it's like sort of quick and 
and it it's pithy and it like hit gets to the point in terms of character development, but you don't really get that with um other parts of the script is where I was, you know, going with for. And this kind, uh, of, this, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about during our, our Thor episode is the best moments are the character interactions when it's about yes. characters. And yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just, if for movies, that's kind of how it should be because they are about the characters. That's what should be driving these movies and being the best parts of them. Um, of course. And, and it makes sense. I don't know why a lot more movies don't maybe put that emphasis on it. But um, yeah, like this is just sort of like, I guess, our own opinions. But uh, it it's our favorite parts, you know, as audience members. No, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, it's a, it's, and it's a good call from the, the Thor episode for sure. Like the, the best parts are the, I mean, and that's why people are invested in the MCU or at least we're up till Avengers <laughs> Endgame. Yeah. I, mean, I, I feel like the, the investment has definitely taken a bit of a nosedive, I would say, but at least till Avengers Endgame, a lot of people were invested in because of the characters. And I feel like they haven't really done as much of a good job in investing in those characters as we've, you know, gone on here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I want, and you know, after the whole Hydra sequence, of course, I guess to get us back on track a little bit is when, when they're walking back into the base. Um, is I think the first time we really get any sort of notable music in the movie. Like I don't know if you noticed any of the music earlier in the film, but like the actual Captain America theme, like the know, his heroic theme, mm-hmm. it, when he comes back into the camp, this is the first time we really hear it. And yep. it's a good theme overall. Like, it's a I mean, very, this is yeah, this is. I mean, you you talk about scores. Um, musical scores the past few episodes and none of them are really that um sort of noticeable or um something that you remember memorable yeah this one is definitely up to this point the most memorable one in my opinion for sure for sure and i think what helps with that honestly is that so obviously this score movie is scored by alan silvestri he comes back to do the avengers so he actually drops little hints of that in the avengers as well which i think definitely helps cement those little bits of captain america's theme mm-hmm. overall um unfortunately we don't get Sylvester back for the later movies though um henry jackman who did the scores in uh winter soldier and civil war did a very good job there too but of course it's a very different sound yeah. than the sort of old school brass heroic theme that that Sylvester crafted for cap in mm-hmm. the first two outings that he had in the mcu mm-hmm. um yeah, and then of course after the whole thing we get uh, after the whole you know Hydra rescue sequence we get um, the Stanley cameo finally where Cap is supposed to get a medal from uh, Senator Branton doesn't show up and then we actually get the whole little montage that and that's really where the whole second act ends and I think the really only thing that I have to add on this bit is I really wish we got more of the Howling Commandos I and agree. I do wish that. Honestly, I feel like that would be prime for like a, almost like a mini series of a sort. Yeah. Like we don't necessarily even need Cap, but like if we just got the Howling Commandos and like I don't know two or three mini episodes or like a special or something, kind of like how we did it with like Werewolf by Night. I think that would be yes, great. I, think, I, I wish. Yeah, yeah, I think that was um, that'd be like an ideal sort of you know Disney Plus limited mini series or something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to see the Howling Commandos in action because I feel like they're—I mean, they were just there, but they had such cool designs, like Dum Dum Dugan and Marita, and like they—they they just seem like interesting characters. And I wish we got to explore them a bit more. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess any final thoughts on Act Two, and uh, we can jump into the quick Stanley cameo ranking here. Yeah, no, let's go to the uh, the cameos. Yes, so of course this one, uh, like we just said, at the end of Act Two, we get Stanley as uh, an army general or some high up member in the armed forces, uh, quipping, "Oh, I thought he'd be taller when Cap is supposed to come out." So, Chris, how would you rank this? across the various stanley cameos we've had so far uh i thought it was funny um yeah i thought it was better than incredible hulk mm-hmm. uh i liked it better than thor okay uh in terms of iron man one and iron man two iron man one and iron man two for me are pretty similar okay uh so i would put it in that vicinity i don't know if it's behind Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2, or if it's in between Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2, but it's in that vicinity. Okay, okay. And those were your top two, I would say, right, in terms of the Stanley rankings? Yeah, as of now, yeah. Gotcha, okay. Yeah, I think for me, the most humorous so far was the Thor one. I really liked that he played sort of like a one of the rednecks, like trying to pull out Thor's hammer in the in the truck. I, I really did like that. Um I would say, I mean, this one's a, a sort little like humorous bit. I would say that I liked it more than the Iron Man cameos. I know we have slightly different rankings here. I would yep. probably rank the Iron Man cameos a little bit lower. Um, I'd say probably the Incredible Hulk one is the worst for sure. Um, yes. I would say this is probably number two for me. So I would say probably Thor is number one so far, then this, then Iron Man one, Iron Man two, and then Incredible Hulk. Got it. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess that's our Stanley cameo ranking for this movie. Of course, I, I again, I, I say this every episode, but I think it's going to get more interesting as we get like later on with more movies under our belt here. But um, I know I think we're getting to that point now. Like we're we're almost what like four five movies in. Yeah, we're five movies in now. So um, I think it'll get more interesting. I think once we get into Phase Two and have a lot more to chew on there. But um, yeah, I mean Act Three. I, I guess we can jump right in, I guess, unless you have anything else you want to add there. Yeah, let's, let's go to Act 3. Sounds good. I mean, Act 3, there's not really much here in Act 3. I mean, it's just <laughs> basically really they, capture, it just, they capture Zola, and then after they capture Zola, they find where the Hydra base is, and then it's basically the final sequence where they infiltrate the big Hydra base in the Alps, and then the Cap and Red Skull fight. So I guess we could just sort of talk about Act three as a whole. I mean, what are your thoughts on Act three? Were there things that stuck out to you? Act three sets up a lot for the future of the MCU. With yes, it does. You know, with Zola being captured and Tommy Lee Jones's uh, captain was Chester Phillips. Yeah. Um, was yeah, it captain or colonel? Oh, sorry, colonel. I'm thinking captain Phillips. Ah, uh, yeah, colonel, colonel <laughs> Chester Phillips. Uh, I'm the colonel now. Um, him presenting Zola essentially this opportunity of working for the SSR soon to be shield, um, you know, setting that up for a potential invasion. Um, Mm -hmm. And then of course we get Bucky who um, him and Steve are on the train and, you know, Bucky wields the shield temporarily and then, you know, falls to his death, parents death um, out of the train. That's, you know, We'll see it where that goes. Um, and then obviously we have, like you mentioned earlier, Red Skull kind of being 
sucked up into space by the uh, the Tesseract. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, this this third act, I think, does a lot for setting up for the future of the MCU. For sure. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I don't feel like there's really much sort of meat to this third act. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of setup. I mean, I, and I would say, though, for uh, considering we had another movie that did a lot of setup for the future of the MCU in Iron Man 2, I felt like this was a lot more organic in what it accomplished for setting mm-hmm. up the MCU, whether oh, it was intentional or not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, Iron Man 2 was just literally, you could feel the studios, like, shoving a spoon down your throat of like we're gonna give you this so you're ready for the next phase or whatever yeah or you're ready for avengers here you go yeah yeah. whereas this i agree this is a little more organic it 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 played to what was already in the earlier acts whereas Mm -hmm. iron man 2 is kind of just like very blatant (laughs) like oh for sure cap shields you know like yeah what is this doing here it's like they had no business being there but yes i agree with you yeah yeah no exactly i think the whole sequence in like the middle that pops up with like shield and uh and yeah with with, what's his name with with, uh agent colson Colson. like that was totally unnecessary unnecessary but yeah and yeah but that's uh, yeah I, i would agree that i think that the whole point this one definitely sets things up more organically and i think part of that is they probably didn't necessarily plan it to set up things i think it was more just like you know things that happen and they sort of took those story threads and moved them on in later movies so i don't think that it was set up with the intention of future stories per se unlike iron man 2 where it was very clearly like oh we're doing this to set up for this if that makes sense you know yeah i mean with with skull I would lean towards, yeah, they really probably didn't have the plan for him to be the stone keeper. Oh, absolutely not. Um, no. <laughs> but with Bucky um, and maybe even Zola to an extent, I think they probably had some sort of idea because I think the Winter Soldier character became a thing in the mid 2000s. So it was like only, yeah. you know, only like maybe like five or so years um by the time this movie released, it was like probably only five years since Winter Soldier debuted. So I'm sure they, and it was a pretty popular comic, I believe. So I, I would, I would think it. Mm-hmm. They probably had some sort of idea, like let's keep this thing open ended. You know, we have, we showed Bucky was being experimented on earlier in the film. He falls, like who knows? Like we decide to bring him back for his Winter Soldier, or we can just leave it as is. Right. Right. Yeah, no, I, it's a, it's a good point. Like, I, I think that the whole, um, I mean, they definitely set up stuff there, but it's not um, in terms of like Bucky being the Winter Soldier. I didn't even actually think about that in terms of when the Winter Soldier comic came out. Do you remember what year it came out? I'm actually, I actually, I think I have it up here, 2005. So I guess it oh, existed. Yeah, but um, you know, he didn't, uh, and they definitely teased some of those things because he even came as like. Uh, Bucky became quote unquote Captain America in 2008, and they sort of teased that with him picking up the shield as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, clearly there were some teases there, but and I think that was probably more fleshed out. But I agree with you. I don't think all of it was like the mm-hmm. Red Skull, obviously being the yeah. guardian of the Soul Stone in Vormir, definitely yeah. not planned out there. But um, yeah, and I think th- another thing that stuck out here was even though I mean the the third act is kind of a nothing burger in terms of like 
things to talk about, I would say, other than the action sequences. Again, we get some more of those, like, you know, human moments. Of course, the big one is the Peggy and Steve yeah. conversation when they're on the plane and he's about to crash, and which, in the water. I mean, I think I would agree that, the, I think you would agree that that's probably the most, you know, heartfelt moment of the movie. But I think yes. even the whole scene after Bucky fall, like the whole train sequence where Steve is in the rubble of a bar and is talking about how he can't get drunk. Like, I I, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of a, it kind of pokes fun at the whole thing. But, like, also at the same time, you can definitely tell, like, he's, like, very upset about the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and just trying to, you know, ha- have a drink to his friend who he, think is, who he thinks is dead. Yeah. Um, and I think part of those are really the, again, speaks to the character moments in the overall MCU and really shows how you know, attached he was to Bucky for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And then after the whole plane crash at the end, that's another bit where I think the music does a really good job. Like the really sort of melancholy, like sad music that Alan Silvestri has going on. Um, I don't know if you picked up on that, but I really like that sort of whole, I think the music really fit the whole emotion there that um, this movie was trying to go for. We should just petition to get Sylvester back in the MCU. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, I mean, we've not had necessarily bad... I mean, it's been a while, I feel like, since we had movies... Well, or, like, good scores, or, like, really memorable scores. Because, like, what, the last... What was the last MCU movie again? Was it Love and Thunder? Or was it Quantumania? Uh, Quantumania was uh, after Love and Thunder. Was that the most recent one? Most recent MCU movie. Um, obviously, the Mar- Marvels comes out like this weekend. Or this I mean, weekend. it comes. Yeah, Mar- the Marvels comes out this weekend, of course. But um, yeah, I I think it is. I think it is. That's, uh, that's sad if it's Quantum Mania. No, it's it. Of course, it was vol- Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, uh, Volume Three. How do we forget that? I can't believe we forgot. Yeah, there's, Guardians there's, of the Galaxy yeah, there's no way it was like oh we had something in in like whatever it was February and then there's nothing until November. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it feels so long ago, my God. But I mean, that that does have a good score. The guy who does the score for, um, oh, John Murphy, who did the score for Guardians of the Galaxy, that was a good score, I would say. Um, and that has, I think, very consistent. They had the the theme, the Guardians theme, through all three of those movies. But yeah, I mean, it, it, I feel like there's only been a handful of movies that have had. I, I mean, they've I think done a better job, Marvel now for sure, but. Um, I, I I will never say no no to more Alan Silvestri mm-hmm. in terms of um, scoring, for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess any, I, I guess the last bits here were after the war is over. Yeah, we get uh, some of the glimpses of the aftermath, of course, where uh, you know the, the SSR is sort of shutting down from its wartime efforts, and then you see Howard is obviously looking for Steve, and they find the Tesseract at the ocean or in the ocean. And um, yeah. And then I think that's really the end of the 1940s sequence. And then we flash to the present day or what we learn to be the present days, where when Steve wakes up after the ice and um, tries to escape the shield base. And uh, I guess, do you have any thoughts there? Uh, I do. I do. And actually that, that I have two criticisms. Mm. One going back to I guess in the 1940s, why is everything labeled in English when they are German? Like all of the the bombs are like labeled in 
English, like New York, Chicago, huh. oh, like that's... like everything, like even in on the on Skull's sort of GPS thing, autopilot, says, like, New York City, yeah, uh, yeah, the, on the panel, autopilot. Yeah, like, I don't. I mean, obviously, for as an, a, a viewer, as an American, made by an American company, they're going to put that in for you know easy accessibility i guess but yeah 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 but like i guess it's a minor on. point though it, it is a minor point because all of the other stuff like in the hydra bases were all in german to their credit yeah but um, uh, i guess it's a fair criticism though i will say another interesting easter egg in that which i mean i don't know if it's really an easter egg it's i guess more of a retro retroactive easter egg was above new york when they had the whole thing like where it says new york on like his little like radar map yeah. it actually says the german word for soul above it i believe is it didn't say like zine or something like that i don't know it's, I saw, it's, I saw I, it's something like zeal z-i-e-l oh, or something, something which, yeah, i saw it yeah something like that which i believe translates to soul in german which i thought was kind of interesting and i'm obviously I, I think now we can look back on it like, oh man, he was the guardian of the soul stone, but I don't think they really cared about that at the time. So, um, but interesting little Easter egg there. wonder why they put that. Oh, so zeal apparently translates to goal also in German. That's why. Well, that, that, that makes more sense. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense, but um, I don't know. IMDB did say that it was something about that also translating to soul. Maybe it was in a different language. Um, I'm going to try and pull that up. But anyway, um yeah I, I guess that's a fair sorry i didn't mean to cut you off on your second criticism yeah, what was no, your other criticism my, my other criticism is you know shield is it basically the the cia but better i guess mm -hmm. i don't know the way they've kind of positioned it but of course the one game the one baseball game that steve rogers goes to they put it on the radio and it just he happens to recognize I was at this game. Like you could have picked any other game. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I will say, I think that that was one criticism that I was going to bring up that like, look, they know roughly when cap crashed the plane and they know when he was and wasn't alive. Like they could have found another game like from after the time that he crashed. Like, it didn't have to be a game from 1941, you know? It could have been a game while he was in the army. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it could have been a game while he was in the army, while he was on tour. Like, it could have been any game. Like, it didn't yeah. have to be the, that like that one specific game from 1941. I don't know. I, 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 I agree with you on that one. That was one that I was actually going to bring up. But, um, yeah. But, yeah, otherwise... Uh... No, that's really my criticism. My only criticism on it. Um, it was cool that to see a present day New York, um, mm -hmm. sort of in contrast to what we've been seeing nineteen forties New York, and then obviously Fury coming out saying you've been asleep for seventy years, and then uh, you know Steve's first reaction is you know, like, "I missed a dance." Yeah, yeah. Again, sort of hits back to that sort of character dynamic that he had with. Peggy, which again was it's almost like a bittersweet sort of ending there, which I kind of like the way that that ended. Yeah. Um. Another small little Easter egg, which I was thinking of putting in the trivia, was you know the woman that wakes him up in the in the shield base. You know who they were initially thinking of having appear instead of that random lady. I, I'm sure you can guess, but no, it would have been funny if it was Sharon Carter though. Oh my god! <laughs> no, uh -huh. I mean. 
They did say code 13 when he escapes, but... Oh, they uh, did. What, what, but, what if they put Widow there? Yeah, it was Widow. It was supposedly there were rumors that Scarlett okay. Johansson was going to appear as the, the nurse in that. Okay. But, okay. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think that would have been cool. I don't think, again, I don't think that really loses anything by not being her, but uh, mm-hmm. I guess it would have been an interesting way to tie it into into Avengers yeah. again, just sort of the Avengers interacting with one another. Yeah, no, it, it would have made sense. Like, yeah. Not like Iron Man 2, where it's like, why do you need Black Widow babysitting Tony Stark? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, but I guess that's... I guess that's cap, honestly. I mean, we that's was there anything else you wanted to discuss before I guess we go into giving out our scores here? No, we can uh yeah, let's give out our ratings. Where do you put cool. this? Where do I put this? Yeah. So I mean I think I agree with your initial take on the movie that like it's obviously not the greatest movie in the MCU, but I, I feel like every time I watch this movie, it gets a little bit better for me. And I think part of that is again just the the period nature of it, and it does a lot of good work in setting up Cap as an interesting character, and of course Peggy, and um, you know a lot of stuff that it sets up, like the Tesseract and all of that stuff. Uh, so, you know, it's inter- I would, I feel like I'm leaning between like um, a three, and we're doing what out of five, right? And quarter out of five points. with quarter points, yeah. Out of five with quarter points. So I'm thinking either, uh, you know what, I'll be generous and I'll give it a flat four, I would say. Um, really? Nah, you know what? Uh, that's an eight out of ten. Yeah, that's that's high. I, I, I'll i probably bump it down to like a 3.75, I would say. Oh, wow. That's a lot higher than I expected. Yeah, I think I think part of it is, you know, it's just a charming little movie, kind of like how Thor is for me. Um not like the greatest movie ever. And maybe I'm being a little bit too generous with the score here. But um, yeah, I'd say like, a, you know, I'll bump it down again. 3.5. That's my final final answer. 3.5. Final answer? <laughs> final answer. 3.5. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that was, um, that was a lot higher than I expected. But nevertheless, it is your ranking. So yeah. Um. For me, I think I, because I'm also thinking on like a, a ten point scale. Mm. Um, I'm thinking more of like a, th- a three. Oh um, wow! Okay, that low. Interesting. Well, I'm I'm trying to think through it now because let's see, Thor. I put it at three. I like this better than Thor, honestly. Um, we'll put it. We'll put it at three two five. Three point two five. Three point two five. Okay. Okay, that's not too bad. That's like a six five, basically. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's that's I think a solid score overall. Um yeah, okay. I I mean, I, yeah, honestly, I I might have also still ranked it a bit higher at 3.5, but I I'm fine with that. I think it's a charming little movie. Um I actually think that I like Thor a little bit more than this movie. Um really? just cuz I cuz I think the character dynamics in that movie are better than they are in Cap. Like the whole yeah. relationship between Thor, Odin, Loki, like that triumvirate really worked i think well for me and really drives that movie versus this one i mean it's really i think cap and peggy are sort of the heart and soul of the relationship in this movie and i mean there's a little bit with bucky but definitely not as much as we get later on in the mcu Mm -hmm. yeah but uh yeah i guess that's it for cap i guess any other final thoughts before we wrap up here chris no i mean like I said at the beginning, I liked this movie 
a little bit more after rewatching it. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, like I mentioned, I think it, making it a period piece did this movie very well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I it's it's part of one of the best superhero movie trilogies out there right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I will say, though, a lot of the heavy lifting is done with the later half of this trilogy, two and three, for sure. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> But um, yeah, this is um, this this is it's a good it's a good foundation for the Captain Car- Captain America character, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think I agree with your take here. It it definitely is a movie I feel that gets better every time with the viewings for sure, and uh, definitely agree. One of the best trilogies in the MCU, I would argue, maybe the best trilogy in the MCU, or one of the best. Um, I, I feel like you'd probably also put like Guardians up in there. Yeah, right? I was gonna say Guardians, but I know how you feel about Guardians too. Well, Guardians two. I mean, we can get to we'll get to Guardians two when we get to it. But uh, I, I that is a strong trilogy overall too. I mean, like for the the faults that Guardians two has, but that this that's I guess not re- related yeah. to the the cap discussion. But this is a good trilogy on its own, and this is a good start to the trilogy. I yes, would say. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I guess that's. Another episode in the books there, Chris. I mean, um, of course, I guess I'll go through the usual housekeeping bits here where, uh, you know, thanks thanks again, of course, for listening to our episode. If you enjoy it, please uh, like, comment, or like and subscribe uh, or give us a rating on any of the podcasting platforms of your choice. We're, of course, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, which is changing and no longer going to be Google podcast for too long because Google likes to kill off their platforms, I guess. But um, yeah, we're, we're, we're wherever you're available. We're available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, if you have any questions, of course, or comments on our episodes, please feel free to reach out to us at ostrichtechnique at gmail.com. And uh, of course, we will be back next month with our episode on the avengers of course that'll be a little bit of a long i mean i feel like this episode, also episode. Randomly, but it will be a supersized episode that will an be a avengers longer episode. level episode yes it will be an avengers level episode we did tease that we will likely have a guest star on our avengers episode so stay tuned for that and i guess chris any final points you want to add here as we wrap up Nope, I think we covered some good ground with this movie. Yeah, I think so. Um, But I guess until the next one, see you around, guys. Uh, Take care, Mike.